0: This is the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, The heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. So it was 11 years ago, this month, when I made my first trip to Haiti. At the time, I was the head chaplain of St. Andrew's Episcopal School in Potomac, Maryland, and Haiti had just suffered within the past year the devastating earthquake of 2010 that literally leveled an already poor, and desperate island, and our students watched with horror and with great sympathy everything that was happening to the people of Haiti, and they were determined to do whatever they could to help these people. And so we began to investigate ways in which we might reach out to the people of Haiti And I learned that the Episcopal Church, I'm an Episcopal priest, our church had a partnership that it set up between Episcopal schools in the United States and Episcopal schools in Haiti. One thing that many people don't realize is there's a very substantial population of Episcopalians in Haiti, and there are many, many Episcopal schools and churches on that island as the result of the American and British influence. And so I learned of this partnership, and I was put in touch with this Haitian priest, an Episcopal priest in Haiti, by the name of Jean Genot, Father Genot. And I called him up, and I just said, what could we possibly do to help you? We're interested in establishing a partnership with one of your schools. Tell me. Tell me what we can do. And he said, we deeply appreciate that. We'd love for you to enter into a partnership with this school in a little town called Saval in the Central Plain of Haiti. But before we do that, I think it's important for you to come down for a visit. And I said, there's nothing I would rather do. And so I got on a plane from Washington to Miami and then from Miami to Port-au-Prince. 80, and to be honest with you, I was a little nervous about what I might find. I had never been there before. I was expecting the worst, and to be sure, as the plane was landing and we were approaching the airport, I could see with my own eyes the devastation that had been done by the earthquake, lots of rubble everywhere, nothing really of any significance still standing And the plane landed, and the airport was chaotic and noisy. And it, too, had suffered some damage in the earthquake. And thankfully, Father Genot had agreed to pick me up at the airport because I'm not sure that I could have made it anywhere from there. And I recognized him because he was the fellow wearing the collar, and I was the fellow wearing the collar, so we were able to meet up. And uh, we got into his car, and he said to me, you know, before we make the hour-long trip to Saval, there's something I want you to see. And I said, okay. And so we went into downtown Port-au-Prince, such as it was, and we stopped at this uh, site, which, too, you could see that there was a great building, but now it was all a pile of rubble. This was the site of the great Holy Trinity Cathedral, the Episcopal Cathedral in Port-au-Prince, which had been a beautiful, beautiful building. And I know that now because I saw pictures of what it looked like before the earthquake. But now it was just devastation, except except for one wall that was still standing. And on that wall, there was this beautiful mural, this beautiful mural. It was a painting of Christ standing knee-deep in the River Jordan. And next to him was a figure who was obviously John the Baptist, who had a pitcher of water, and he was pouring water over Jesus' head with one hand and pointing to him with the other. And this was a dark-skinned Jesus and a dark-skinned John the Baptist. And there were other people in the mural in the River Jordan next to Jesus. And it was in these most vivid, spectacular colors of blues and reds and browns. And it was the only thing remaining from Holy Trinity, this scene of the baptism of Christ. And the Jesus that was portrayed had this penetrating stare. It was a friendly, welcoming stare, but it wasn't a smile exactly. It exemplified, it demonstrated a quiet strength and determination. And so we were standing there, Father Jeannot and myself, looking at this beautiful mural. And he turned to me and he said, this is the source of our hope. God in Christ wading into the muddy waters of our humanity, sharing our struggles, Forgiving our failings and leading us into a new and better life. I've never heard in all of my years as a priest a better explanation of the significance of the baptism of Christ. There is the source of our hope. God in Christ wading into the muddy waters of our humanity, sharing our struggles, forgiving our failings, leading us into new life. So we, we stood there for a few more minutes just taking in this beautiful mural, and then we went on our way, a long and bumpy and dusty journey to Saval. And on the way, Father Junot quietly explained to me all of the challenges this town was facing. Not enough food, no clean water. Many of the homes and structures had been damaged by the earthquake. Cholera was prevalent. Malaria was prevalent. It was a remote little town, as I quickly discovered. So I'm wondering to myself, what can we possibly do? What can we possibly do to contribute to the well-being of these people? And we got to the end of the road. He pulled over, but we weren't in the town, and I was wondering to myself, now what? We get out, and there was an entourage of maybe a dozen Haitian men and women who were there to pick up our bags, put them on their backs, because we had, I learned, another half mile to walk from the end of the road down the river valley into this little town of Saval. And I felt terrible. Here, the, these people were carrying my stuff, but they absolutely were insistent. They said, no, we're going to carry your things. And so we trekked down into the River Valley. We got to this town, and to say it was you know, squalor is an understatement. There were just shacks, and um, lot, lots of them had suffered damage. And it was getting near the end of the day, and I noticed that they had set up this tent next to this building, which was obviously the church. And they said, this tent is for you. You'll be much safer here because we have it lined with a mosquito net on the inside. And you can sleep here for the night. And I noticed that they put some bottled water in the tent because they were worried about me drinking their water. And I noticed that there was packaged food that they had imported somehow, dried fruit and nuts, because they were concerned that if I ate some of their food, I might be sick because my body wasn't used to it. And I felt very self-conscious. I felt terrible, frankly, because here they were living in these terrible conditions. And they, out of the generosity of their heart, out of pure hospitality, were giving me a safe place to spend the night, food that was not contaminated, water that was not contaminated, so that I wouldn't get sick. And so I spent the night there. I'd like to say I got a good night's sleep. I did not, (laughs) sleeping on the ground, hearing all the crazy noises of a new place. I was basically outside in this um, semi-tropical environment. Finally, the sun comes up the next morning. Father Junot had gone to his house, which wasn't in Saval, and then he got up early and came, and it was a Sunday morning because we'd organized the trip around the weekend so that I could be there to worship with these people. And so Sunday morning, and I had no idea what we were going to be in store for, but Father Gernot's getting things ready at the altar, people start coming out of their little shacks, and everybody gathers around the church. There must have been a hundred people or so gathered around the altar outside. and it's all in Creole, so I didn't really understand what was being said, but I was sufficiently it was a prayer book service, and I could sort of follow along and figure out what was going on. And so he celebrates the Eucharist, and then he brings out this font and we fill it with water and lo and behold there are 16 little children who want to be baptized that Sunday and their moms and dads are bringing them forward and there we are and he's insistent that I baptize them. He says the words in Creole since I don't know Creole But the moms and the dads give me their babies, and I baptize each one of them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and anoint them with holy water, saying, they tell me their name. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever." And these parents had these smiles on their faces. They were so overjoyed to be there and to have their children baptized and welcomed into God's family. And after we finished with the 16 baptisms, they started singing and dancing. I mean, this was not your typical Episcopal or Lutheran service. They... Got up, and they were just expressing with all of their bodies and their voices their enthusiasm for being together as a community and being blessed by God's presence and celebrating these little children being welcomed into God's family. And finally, and this took three hours, this service. I mean, it was a long, they like doing church. <laughs> It was a long service, and finally, it, it ended. We, we had lunch. I met with some of the townspeople, and we talked more about what we might do. And then the next morning, I got on a plane. Uh, Father know, took me back to the airport and went back. But I have to say, what has many things have stuck with me from that trip, but more than anything, This story that we just heard about the baptism of Christ took on a new meaning for me. It's all about God stepping into our lives, loving us so much that he sends his only son to step into the waters of humanity to take on all of our challenges, all of our suffering, all of our pain, all of our wonderings, all of our questioning, all of our doubts. He meets us there. And he forgives us for our mistakes and our failings and the messes we make in our lives. And he promises to lead us into a new place, into renewed life with God. Solidarity with humanity, that's what God accomplishes in baptism. And so whatever pains and hurts or doubts or struggles you brought to church with you this morning, I'm here to tell you that in baptism, Jesus Christ is here to meet you where you are and to be a source of strength and comfort and to lead you into a a renewed life. But it's not just that personal solidarity with Christ that we are given in baptism. There's something equally important, and that is once being baptized into the life of Christ, we are invited to show that same love and solidarity with humanity to everyone that we meet. We are invited to be Christ's ambassadors to the world. And the Haitian people taught me that as well, by welcoming into, they had nothing. They had every reason to be feeling sorry for themselves and to be in a desperate strait. And yet, this visitor who they did not know, this strange white man from a far away place, they put my stuff on their backs. They give me a home that's protected and safe. They feed me. They bring their children to me to baptize. They showed me exactly what love in action looks like. And that's what we're invited to do. It's so tragic that our country is so divided these days, divided politically, divided racially, divided economically. We find all these reasons to set up walls to separate ourselves from each other rather than appreciating each other's differences, loving each other's differences, and coming together. Saint Augustine, the great early church father, had this simple and beautiful phrase, Sin separates, love unites. Sin separates, and love unites. What we're called to do as Christians baptized in the life of Christ is to find ways to get rid of the barriers that separate us, appreciate our differences, affirm them, but create a community in harmony rather than to weaponize those differences and use them as a way to divide ourselves from each other so there's one last thing i want to note about today's reading before i conclude it's an important little detail in luke's account of jesus' baptism notice what jesus or what luke says when jesus is baptized He says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And that's when God says, you are my beloved with whom I am well pleased. Jesus prayed. The life of baptism is a life of prayer. And we are promised that when we open our hearts and our minds in prayer, the Holy Spirit will be present to us. God's love will be present to us. And Luke goes out of his way to let us know that. And so let me conclude my homily this morning with this Beautiful prayer, one of my favorites from our book of common prayer in the Episcopal tradition. And it goes like this O oh God, you made us in your image and redeemed us through Jesus Christ your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family, take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in the bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth. That in your good time, all peoples may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And oh, by the way, 10 years later, Our school has a thriving partnership with the little children of Saval. St. Andrews has built a school, has paid for the teachers, has built a well that is providing clean water to the people of Saval. And most importantly, we have learned from them what real faith looks like.